Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bitcoin in Asia from Bitcoin Magazine. I'm John Riggins, and our guest this week is Satvik Vishnath, CEO of India-based Bitcoin exchange Unocoin, the first in India, actually. Tech entrepreneur who got into Bitcoin in 2013, starting a Bitcoin meetup group in Bangalore, out of which came the founding team of Unocoin. Satvik, as CEO now, is leading the company through a new Series A funding round led by Draper Associates. We discuss how Unocoin became the market leader in India initially, what the exchange ecosystem in India looks like now, why it is a market playing catch up in a sense, plus why he is bullish on what's next. There aren't a lot of people who have been operating Bitcoin businesses in India since 2013, and I really enjoyed Satvik's insights. Support for this podcast comes from Paxful. At Paxful, they believe that Bitcoin is more than just a digital currency. It is a new way of life that's going to completely disrupt the global financial system. Paxful is a people-powered marketplace for money transfers with anyone, anywhere, at any time. Using over 300 different payment methods, you can buy and sell Bitcoin using bank transfers, cash, and even gift cards. Borderless transactions, the ability to start a new business, and opportunities for social good, Paxful is set to change the world. Create an account today and get your free Bitcoin wallet and begin trading right away. You'll never look at your money the same way again. Also brought to you by Bitcoin Black Friday. Bitcoin Black Friday is back, and the focus is on building the Bitcoin circular economy. The Black Friday staple since 2012 will feature deals on must-have Bitcoin products, the best discounts of the year from Bitcoin accepting merchants, and ample opportunities to stack stats. If you are a Bitcoin accepting merchant, go to bitcoinblackfriday.com to list a Black Friday deal. And if you want to take advantage of the discounts and stat stacking opportunities yourself, sign up there for email updates, bitcoinblackfriday.com. Now on this conversation with Sathik. Sathik, welcome to the show, man. Good to talk to you. Yeah, good to see you. Deal. So some big news from y'all this week. I actually want to start with a little bit of your background first. Mm-hmm. Just kind of introduce us to your story and kind of how this whole thing with Unicoin got started. Yeah, sure. So I did my MBA from University of Melbourne in 2008. Just after that, I was I got to be a partnership firm with my brother where I was offering custom scripting services in a virtual world called Second Life. So it's like 3D environment and when people log in, they see themselves as an avatar and they can meet other people, I mean, which are the other avatars that are around you. It's actually like uh, played by I mean, some other real person behind them. So what I used to there, uh, do there was that, let's say if someone is constructing a virtual home, I, I used to do the home automation for them. And let's say if someone is constructing a game, I, I used to make the game work, etc. So I did that for about, uh, about four years and I just had a bunch of uh, developers with me helping helping this. And the way we earn money in Second Life is through a closed-loop currency called Indian dollars. And about $250 Indian dollars is uh, one American dollar. And the only way I could get that money to India was through PayPal. So we used to charge me about 3.9% of the transaction fees mm-hmm. and another 3% as a conversion fee from the remaining American dollars to Indian rupees. So that was like 7% of the money that was going away month on month for about four years. So that significantly started to add up. And that is when I started looking at what are the alternatives to actually do the transaction from one country to one country, one country without going foregoing such a huge piece of the pie. So that made me stumble upon Bitcoin. I initially took a little bit of break to read more about this. Because I'm a techie by nature, I, I wanted to know all pieces of how things work without anyone in between. Right? So, and then I was looking at what exactly is happening in the Bitcoin space in India. So I got to know about a meetup that was happening in that week, in that weekend, and that is where actually I met uh, my rest of the co-founders for for, for So, so this was in the year 2013 again. So, 
which is also one of the very interesting years uh, when you see the ch- uh, you know, price chart of the Bitcoin where the price has gone sure. from from thirteen, you know, maybe sixteen dollars up to thousand fifty dollars. So because we were having the, uh, the, the, the these meetups every weekend, we actually see started seeing the getting more and more people every weekend, and it was almost like a conference by itself. These meetups, and while we could discuss great things about Bitcoin. In what city was the were these meetups in? Bangalore, in the Bangalore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While we could talk great things about Bitcoin. There was actually no place where people could just get easy access to it, and even though people wanted it, and some people started bringing some cash in the pockets or duffel bags, hoping that someone else who is coming for the meetup might have mined some bitcoins. So that was like a stretch. Me and the other co-founders for Unokine so thought that that is not the way the the, way the people should have access to bitcoin. It's, it's uh, it should be much better because, say, for example, US had uh, Coinbase and. Had Bitstamp and say Japan at that time had Mount Cox So there should be a better way. And we thought of uh, we thought of that as a market opportunity, and we started Unocoin. And we did a few other things like Bitcoin mining and physical Bitcoins, etc. But that didn't really go very far. But that helped us to learn learn more about this technology and have some community around us. But the most successful and uh, long-standing, obviously, has been Unocoin. Yeah, so twenty thirteen. <laughs> Good stuff. A meetup, uh, people people bringing cash, trying to figure out how they can get some Bitcoin. Very cool. And how many of the that co-founding team were there that met at that meetup and then that became Unicoin? Was it, it was four? Three? Yeah, it, it, was, it was four of us, actually. So yeah. we all met in that, in that meetup. And actually, I, have an, I, I, I mean, one another co-founder I knew uh, since, uh, since before. So I am the one who took him. But the others were there, and uh, we, we kind of uh, felt very good synergy among ourselves. Where one could do the marketing and product, the other could do the business development. I mean, one had the skill set of say compliance and operations and finances, and I was a techie with a small team with with myself for developing the product and taking forward. So it was like perfect super four, I think, <laughs> and that made it go. So after we decided that we will do this ourselves. By creating a platform, it only took me about two and a half months from zero to actually launch. So we wow. launched this in the in the conference that that, that we that we did in Bangalore in December 2013. So we called it as Global Bitcoin Conference, and it's actually the first Bitcoin conference in entire Asia. Mm. So yeah, so we, we did the conference and we launched it. We did the, the traction and everything came up automatically quite quite well because we were the only guys. Yeah, they had times. First Bitcoin conference, we're launching a company. What, uh, how many people were at that first conference? Uh, we had about 200 of them. So cool. interestingly, we also did, did invite the regulators like Reserve Bank of India, then uh, SEBI, uh, CPI, CAD. So we just sent invites and uh, many of them actually turned up okay. because this was uh, very new for everyone. And they wanted to know like it exists, but what it is about was it was everyone's question. Sure. So yeah, so so we had invites from everyone. It was, it was like really successful conference. Yeah. Reserve Bank of India, will, I think will come up a little bit later too. Very cool. That's that's cool. Uh, kind of intro to 2013. I guess just in the last couple of weeks, you all have been in the news again. I think you're doing a conference right now, but got attention for a new fundraise. And so want to want to kind of hit on that next. So, you know, we, we've seen kind of, a, I think, some momentum in terms of capital going into India, especially for exchanges in the last six months or so. Mm-hmm. We have had, a, you know, an acquisition and, and four or five other investments. And so y'all are kind of the news News now, Draper, DCG, some big names. Just take us through kind of that process, where it sits now, and kind of how you're how you're thinking about kind of these these last two weeks. 
Yeah, so actually we got our first round of investment in 2014 itself. So that was about a quarter million dollars. And our second round of investment, that was a 2016 for, for about $2 million. And, so seed uh, round in 2014, 250 round in 2016. I guess DCG led the round in 2016. Um, right, yeah. what, who led yeah, the seed round? Yeah, that was led by the Bloom Ventures. So uh, this time, yeah, the, the, this we are calling it a series around. Actually, for, for association with Drapers is not very new for us. So we are actually the alumni of, uh, of Boost.vc, so which is the, the, at that time, Bitcoin and blockchain only accelerator, mm-hmm. right? And which, which were actually run by Drapers. And then the Drapers are also the limited partners from, for, uh, limited partners for Bloom Ventures who were our lead in the uh, last round. So yeah, this time we have their their, uh, direct investment and direct involvement, I think. So this is, I think, uh, it it, it is their trust about the the team and and the potential of the country, what it looks like. But but it took quite a bit of time this this time as well to convince them that they should be investing with us and we are are the best that they could get for, for a country like India. Yeah, this, this is where we are. Uh, the, the things finally worked in our favor. In, in fact, see, when, when we see the regulatory battle that India really had to face against the Supreme, against the Reserve Bank of India Supreme Court. So we just got lucky to get the verdict just before the lockdown, right? So India went into lockdown on March 24, but our verdict was only on March 4th, which was like only three weeks before that. And just in case if we missed that particular uh, date, in all likelihood, we probably even today we may not have seen the verdict, right? So in, in that way, we got lucky there, and mm-hmm. the, and after that, uh, there was a little challenges to to make everything come back to normal. Given there is there is a lockdown everywhere, right? So on one side, we have the happy news: everyone wants to get in, and uh, everyone is in home. So 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 that was a kind of uh, very tricky situation. <laughs> but 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 our our team, I, I would say, I should appreciate them that. Even though we had a very small team because of a couple of rounds of downsizing, so all of us have put really, really great efforts to not make the not make that deficiency of not going to the office to, to be really seen. It could be some hiring or it could be operations, or it should be customer care and training of new employees. So everything uh, had to be done like new in a new style. So so that was a kind of thing face. But uh, anyway, so. Except as of uh, as of two months ago itself, it was completely normal, and now we have the investment from our believers, new believers. So I, I think the, the the road ahead looks much more brighter now. Yeah, good stuff. New believers always good to have have on board. So thanks for that framing. Also, want to go back a little bit and kind of the the story of the last seven years has been you know pretty up and down, basically because of kind of shackles being put on and taken off by you know regulations in India. Essentially, nothing you know about the teams operating there or the appetite for Bitcoin from sure. kind of retail and, and, and people in India. So take us back a little bit to kind of the timeline of started in 2013, you know, first Bitcoin conference in, in Asia, first exchange that gets traction. That next couple of years, you raised some funding in 2014, kind of talk about the growth trajectory from 2014 to 2016, maybe like some like customer numbers if you can and then frame the competition in terms of other exchanges and Bitcoin businesses in India. Obviously, you were the first and emerged as one of the leaders over that time frame. Uh, but maybe talk a little bit about that and then what changed 2016 to 2018 in terms of regulation and just walk us through it. I think uh, most of the people I've talked to in the last, I guess, during the pandemic are you know these companies that started in 2018 or you know 
after the that uh, last kind of ruling about uh, banks dealing with cryptocurrency entities. So interesting to hear you as sure. the person who started it all. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so when we started Unocoin, our idea was not to really run it like a startup, so which goes through you know various rounds of funding and uh, keep growing its valuation, etc. It was very new model for me. In fact, because the previous business I was running it like a very traditional business of you provide services, you get your revenues, and you do your expenses, and you take the remaining. <laughs> Crazy idea, you know. Yeah, so it it, it was that simple. So after we started Unocoin, I think in like just 10 or 11 days, after we uh, started Unocoin, Barry Silbert wrote to us, well, what are your expansion plans? Are you looking for funding? He said, why would we need funding? (laughs) And that was like the the, the first question that I was asking myself. But, But initially, we did not really bother about it. It was way, I mean, everything is way too new. And we had to literally take a say, tutorial session from one of our lawyers about uh, how the how the startup should work. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, and how the equity will be given out and uh, how it gets uh, diluted over a period of time. So that was all, this is very new. In fact, you know, me and my, my one of our co-founders, Harish, are from a town called Tumkar. So it is a, you know, very small town with like zero IT. Mm. Uh, anywhere and it is about an hour and a half from Bangalore but because we are from this town we continue to stay here only with our families uh, even today and travel to Bangalore on a regular basis. That kind of had given uh, very less exposure regarding like how the funding funding methodology and how the startups itself work but yeah I mean after uh, after like a couple of uh, months we realized that yes we need money and yeah okay we have an email from someone who actually wanted to give us some funding yeah, so, so then we pick up that conversation and uh, yeah, he was available almost within a couple of days for a call. So then we pitched that, pitched that and at that time we were so small and so new. So we didn't, we didn't really know how to do the projections or I mean, he was really not asking for that. Uh, anyway, he was only asking what is your vision, etc. I mean, I mean, given that we are the only guys in, in India and we have started this company and uh, at least we had some background of being in oh, IT business before this and with the right the right team of I mean, right team members as co-founders. So I would definitely see that. Yeah. So so we, we got his investment. So just after that, the, the first thing we did was to launch our uh, merchant gateway where uh, both online merchants and offline merchants can accept Bitcoin as a mode of payment. So the online merchants could do it through the API calls and we were also giving them the checkout pages. They could even create a recipe recipe for money on on our platform itself, etc. And for offline merchants, like for uh, for physical brick and mortar merchants, right? So we created a mobile app for both Android and iOS. So it it is like, we call it as Unocoin BOS. So people would just, uh, when those merchants would just type, okay, if it's 5,000 rupees, then you would just say 5,000 and in the next screen, there'll be a Bitcoin address and, and the amount that, that he want to request from, from the from end user. And once the, the transfer is made, it will show that, okay, it's like done. And the, the customer can walk away from, from there with this product or service. So yeah, we created that and, and it got like really good traction. We got very, very diverse set of uh, merchants for that. So it started from a school which wanted to accept Bitcoinism, Bitcoinism board of payment. Then we had a, a travel agency which was, which was accepting it for flight bookings. And there was a online portal for bus uh, travel that started accepting it. So then we had uh, a website which was selling 
the digital coupon codes for uh, well-known e-commerce websites, though they were accepting it. And then we had the server space when rental company, that's what I, like, like this, we, we got a very, very wide range of merchants. We, we kind of totaled about 200 to 2,300 merchants in this over a period of about four uh, years. So then one of the, one of the you know, biggest challenges are the comments from Indians, at least because probably the way we are brought up is that, okay, they are fine to invest today for how much ever money they have that they want to invest. But what if the price goes down by 10% in about a few weeks, right? So what, 20%, 30%. So if you see in the years like 2013 and 14, there were days where the Bitcoin price used to crash like 40, 50%, just we don't even want it. Right. Yep. So, and it used to, I mean, it used to go up as well, but it, it was not for faint hearted at all. So now comparatively, it's very, very, very good. It usually goes up and down by a couple of percentage on an average day. So it was not so on that day, on those days. So then we came up with a solution that, okay, let's do something like systematic buying plan for our, for Indians where our customers can buy smaller pieces of uh, Bitcoin for a specific amount of Indian rupees. Uh, at a, I mean, at some frequency of like daily, weekly, or monthly. So that uh, th- that particular product that we launched in 2015 was a really, really huge hit. So within the first uh, three to four months after the product was launched, we had more than about eight to 10,000 users who were using it. And they were just going for 50 rupees, which is like less than $1. So that was a kind of Bitcoin they were trying to buy, but they were doing it like daily. So which means per month they had to spend about $25. That's pretty much, that's pretty much it. And they keep on acquiring uh, smaller pieces of, of, of Bitcoin daily forever. And they used to just fund their account, which is like INR balance, usually like second or third or fourth of the month. So which essentially mm-hmm. showing that they are just using their salary money to part away about $30, $40. Yeah, and at this point, it's a bank transfer of INR to account at uh, you know Coin, and there. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, and, and so, it's interesting to hear. I didn't realize that y'all had focused that much on the payment side too, because obviously, you know, you mentioned Coinbase earlier as counterparts in the U.S. at that time frame. They were big on payments, onboarding, you know, people like Dell and Overstock and whatnot. I didn't realize that was happening in such a big way in India, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So, and, and one other thing, like how I was telling you about my story, right? So, how I was like a freelancer and I was getting paid. Etc. So then uh, we had a huge set of freelancers who were signing up on our platform because now they have the ability to convert Bitcoin into Indian rupees. But the mm-hmm. challenge that they faced is that they need to stay awake uh, in the midnight because it's usually they'll be working for some American corporation mm-hmm. or something like that. And they do their payments in their daytime, right? So, and if they did the Bitcoin, then they have to be awake to sell it without taking the risk of volatility till the morning. I mean, that itself was actually sometimes huge. So, so what we did for them was we, we created a feature called AutoSell, so which gave these users a unique address. And if any Bitcoin comes into that address, it just gets sold at that price. So don't worry about waking up. So uh, for, uh, the, uh, the, uh, that itself actually, you know, we had uh, oh, no less than about 5,000 users who, who took that, which essentially means for most of them are like freelancers. Whenever payment comes in, it, it just like liquidates and gets the money to the bank account. So mm-hmm. when this happened, uh, I mean, because we were doing the processing of yen rupee payments within one or two working hours. So I mean, most of the times, so by the time they wake up sometime like 9 a.m. or something like that in the morning, they already have the money in their bank account. Like it, everything happened just like magic. Right. Yeah. So, so that was experience a uh, lot of our users really liked. And I mean, the, it was a very conscious decision that we took to just keep the buy and sell on, 
on our platform and not to do anything like mount gogs or uh, bitstamp where uh, you know you really need to understand the bit app bit dot ask orders and there is a spread and you have to read the trees to understand but that it was little little complicated and on one side bitcoin itself was very complicated so we we thought that we just keep it at least technology is complicated at least let us keep the interface simple what was our initial idea by the year like 2000 over late 2017 the the market in india was matured enough to actually do something more advanced like an exchange so so we we had built that before already and kept it ready so when when we need to press the button kind of thing so along with that exchange for bitcoin that is that is the first time when we launched anything else apart from bitcoin so so first four years was purely bitcoin right so the, the, then we launched the ether and ripple and i think the so bitcoin cash and few other coins at that point of time and it just and it slowly started picking up and 2017 was one of the great years for the entire industry obviously for us as well so in in a, for, for a few weeks the queue that we had to process for our new customers uh, for their kyc was as long as 21 days right so they literally uh, i mean they, they would have uh, say applied for uh, verification say by by october 1st and even today it is not processed so that so there's a kind of delay that was there and and that kind of delay obviously people could not withstand because the price was going up like every hour in yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the 17 last quarter was like 20 days later yeah <laughs> could be easy yeah so but but anyway so that's so that, that made us to take more employees everything going good so far And, and and this is 2017 what what is the what is kind of ecosystem in deal look like at that point in terms of i guess the kind of competitive landscape so y'all are the first yeah. and the biggest zpay yeah, we have been the point. first and the biggest when it comes to yeah we have been the first and biggest when it comes to the customer base so our competitor one of the biggest competitor was zpay and they uh, they initially started as a wallet and then they converted their service into so like buy and sell like us and there was another competitor called uh, coinex which don't exist right now they have just deviated to something else but however yeah they, they are the ones who started the exchange so till then people really didn't uh, know much about the exchange so this, whatever was there in india is all the new in fact yeah. simple buy and sell yeah and, and some how many crypto crypto yeah sorry yeah and and how many i guess total customers do you think you there were right kind of before the bubble in 2017 so y'all are raising money in 2016 you're kind of looking at the growth of the market that point how many like you know indian holders of bitcoin yeah so we we definitely had more than a million customers already at that time and we were adding no less than 10000 customers a day so 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 there was a trajectory that we were seeing yeah uh, and and there was no uh, not much regulatory unclarity at the point of time so people very much knew that say even today it continues to be unregulated but at least there was uh, no day to day fear that what this looks like and what will happen in the future mm-hmm. so that kind of panic uh, really was not there no, i think so it was comparatively free market so i mean i was talking about uh, the, the the conference right so in the conference we invited a lot of other regulators including the bank of india sebi and uh, you know this was right so after they did attend our conference they went back and uh, after like a week or so uh, there was a warning to the public saying this cryptocurrency thing exists we know it, it something called bitcoin exists but it is uh, risky because of financial risk exists and security risk exists so there was just a warning so nothing more than that so but the same warning happened uh, i think three more times uh, again in 2014 and once in 15 and once in 17 mm-hmm. so but in uh, 18 all of a sudden the reserve bank of india came up with a circular to the banks uh, i mean see uh, fiat onboarding and off- offloading was one of the lifeblood for us because that is that is where everything starts and everything ends 
right? So they came up with the notice that the, the bank should not provide their services for cryptocurrency exchanges and its customers. And they just gave like three months of notice saying that within three months they have to exit the relationships. Yeah. And that made uh, all the exchanges to lose, lose the, uh, their, uh, their bank accounts at that one shot. And yeah. that really... And, and the headlines at that point, the headlines at that point are, you know, India bans Bitcoin, which was a, you know, precise, it was, yeah. It was very, very misleading. It was very misleading. Uh, the notice is not even for, uh, for the citizens. It was only for banks controlled by them. So they didn't declare or, I, I mean, I, I don't think they can even declare like that, but it was not like declaration of the legal status of Bitcoin. It is like ring fencing the, the, the banks so that if something really goes wrong in this industry, then they don't want public to blame the central bank or the banks. So yeah, and the banks are under the purview of the Reserve Bank, and so they have the you know authority to make that make that make that the the rules of the rules of the game. And so that kind kind of comes as a, a blind side. You have three months, and your you know fiat on and off ramps are not going to be legal anymore, essentially. Yeah. So what so what what happens at that point to you know Coin and the kind of exchange hierarchy that had been built with y'all as one of those leaders. Yeah. What, what do you think at that point? So, so that really had to take it up in the, in the in the court to figure out like, I mean, on one side it is like, if, if something is not declared as illegal, then the bank should not be restricting us not to do it, right? So, mm-hmm. so that was kind of constitution rights, human rights that exists in India. But yeah, it was kind of violation uh, for that. And on the other side, we saw Zeppe going out of the country. We saw Coinex there, uh, that, that completely shut down the, the business itself and, and diverted, diverted to, to, to something else. And there were two other two or three others, the new players that were bought at that time who were uh, trying to do some peer-to-peer trading activity, like connecting two users. And one user was sending uh, money from their bank account to another user's bank account without uh, getting it through the exchange and such. So, so mm-hmm. uh, even that activity was kind of Against the notice, but banks did not know why why some money is moving from one account right. to one account. So they just processed it without without knowing it. So we we, we thought that yeah, well, when even knowingly or unknowingly, we don't want banks to do the mistake. So 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 so, that's the kind of, so, uh, so on on that point, I guess you you do have and you know a couple of those that went to that kind of peer to peer sort of loophole in a way you know are still around and are it seems like it it worked for them as a way to. You know, develop a customer base when these fiat on ramps, on ramps, off, off ramps were shut shut off, and you all looked at that and didn't say that's not a good idea because of you know user experience or something like that, uh, or we can't put our resources and build that quickly because we have this existing infrastructure. You looked at it and said that's not worth the risk of angering the banks or them figuring out what's going on and hurting our relationship moving forward. Okay, interesting. Yeah, you, so, so you that's what happened. So then uh, we actually came up with one uh, very intelligent idea that uh, why don't we just use uh, the machines which can collect the, the money and disperse the money, right? So which is very similar to what uh, the banks use, uh, the, the, the as ATMs, right? So then yeah. uh, we, just, uh, we, we just took one, uh, one machine, we, we bought a new machine. So uh, we were actually the first uh, non-bank buyer of that machine in entire India. <laughs> so because no one... Yeah, it, oh, uh, I mean, for forever, only banks need it. So who else would ever need it, right? So we, we took that. And uh, we, I mean, within India, there are some cash limits of how much transactions you can do in cash every day. So that's all fine. Everything can be programmed into that same machine. So then uh, we thought, okay, we, we are just naming it as Bitcoin. It's, it's, it's called Unocoin ATM. So initially, that was a name we gave. So, so then we figured out we shouldn't have called it as ATM. 
So, I mean, ATM uh, actually is uh, like the, the, the regulated uh, machine, in fact, when it is installed by banks because the Reserve Bank of India, which is central bank, sees these ATMs as a smaller branches of the bank. So where uh, the money can be collected, money can be distributed, and a few other banking transactions can be done. So there is a license that the banks have to take before they, before they you know, install an uh, ATM machine. So, so this is on the regulatory part of the things. But as far as the media is concerned, we start saying, oh my God, there is an ATM without the license. Uh, said, okay, I mean, it, it's a machine. At the end of the day, I can make a human stand there to do the same thing. But obviously, we're doing it through a human was not really a you know, secure uh, way of doing. But the, the media just didn't, didn't stop there. It was uh, like a hot cake, I think, for them. So they kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then at one fine day, while uh, we, we still had to go live uh, with that particular uh, ATM, we were just like at the end of the testing phases and things were all uh, you know, being figured out. And then we were start, uh, then we were called for an inquiry. So actually, Harish, our co-founder, was called first. Uh, so when we went there, yeah, so where is your uh, license? Do you know you have to take a permission? We said, I mean, we, they have to take permission when uh, it is being installed by the bank not by a private company like us. For us, it is just like a machine. It, it, it just takes money on behalf of us. And whenever we instruct, it gives the money out. And that's pretty much it. So they didn't listen. They retained him. And then I had to go there. Even they retained me. So they just made a huge news saying that, well, this kind of machine should not be there, etc. And it took us quite, actually, two days to really explain from end to end how this works and convince them, show them on the internet what this is all about. And we have to go from what is Bitcoin all the way up to how this machine is just a machine at, at the end of the day. You just take the instructions from us and do what we say for it. So the, 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 that was a huge uh, you know, episode by itself and it just got the entire uh, story got covered by I think every international media, Bitcoin media in fact at the point of time. But, but then uh, yeah, the, 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 the way it went, it just made everyone so much confused. Uh, that we didn't really want to bring it back on the ground to, to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So we thought maybe on the other side, we have the case that we are fighting anyway. So so let's complete that. Anyway, you know, the, the justice will be in our favor. So we thought at that time, so whatever I'm talking about happened in uh, October 2018. So at that time, we thought we may take another three or four months uh, for, for, for us to, you know, make sure that the, the, the yeah. verdict is given. So, so this uh, Reserve Bank ruling about banks interacting with crypto companies, you're fighting this in court now. It's making yeah. its way through. You think it's going to take two or three months, October yeah. 2018. Well, it was already filed. It was already filed like four or five months ago. And yeah, yeah. given the progress, I mean, it was actually initially there was a pro- the progress was good, in fact. So we thought maybe another three or four uh, months, that this entire say, notice will be slashed down anyway, then the banks will get mm-hmm. back to normal. So why, why to bother about creating these kinds of physical machines, which we need? Well, we will need in like every nook and corner of many cities, maybe a few hundreds of them. And it was like you know very infrastructure expense as well. So whatever right. we had to test itself like really went haywire. So we thought, okay, let us just fight this through, be done with it, and then you know get back to business. So then uh, Harish uh, more or less shifted. I mean, our co-founder Harish more or less shifted to Delhi, so where the Supreme Court exists, because mm-hmm. see, for for the lawyers, right? So the internet technology is new for them. And how exactly this technology and on the other side, the present law of the land. So how to see how I mean, how the correlation exists and how the, say, the exchanges function. So all those things are way too new for them. So someone had to stay there and explain 
at every step about how the business works first so that uh, the lawyers knows what to say in the court right yeah. so, is, so, so is, is there a coalition of of y'all who are kind of leading that yeah i think people are running this yeah 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 and also just was saying that right so we are fighting through association on one side right on the other side what got affected is the human rights that the humans have the right to do what is not illegal in the country mm-hmm. right so and cryptocurrencies were not illegal but we didn't have the right to do it so it was like conflict right so mm-hmm. but the association itself cannot fight because the association is not a human the association cannot say that human rights are affected so there needed to be a human and even that case was filed by harish saying that i am a human and my rights are affected i i want even this notice to be cancelled yeah 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 so so we had one we actually had two notices there so one is the one saying uh, the human rights are affected and then like the exchanges are getting really affected even though they were they haven't really done anything wrong the bank of india cannot just come and say that they cannot give bank accounts it, it's 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 not there it's, it's just not correct it's not it's very unconstitutional mm-hmm. so yeah it took about more than a year since then we had to undergo one more round of uh, for let's say a downsizing and really wait for that word i mean every time the the date comes we hope that okay this time it ends half of the things are done again whatever needs to happen the next date is at least 3 uh, to 4 weeks away that kept on happening say about some 8 to 10 times in fact yeah and finally in 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 january the the hearing and everything is done but finally the the verdict uh, they took like a a month or so the finally came up the, that uh, it is allowed this is unconstitutional so the bank should not uh, the bank should be allowed to give uh, no accounts for, uh, for 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 these uh, exchanges and their customers yeah uh, so, so, so this case is it, making its way up to the supreme court it is you know the i guess the trial finishes in january and then we have uh, early march the supreme court rules on rules on this and it rules on his individual case and the yeah. and the broader case yeah so i mean one is association which is saying that uh, there are so many people who have got affected the business have got affected the employees have got affected so so so, so that pretty much is was one case on one side and on the other side the the human rights are right so so for both of them you know the the, the judgment was same in fact so this just came out that okay yeah it should be allowed and actually we we had a quite uh, strong banking relationships all across including this time but they were not allowed to give us a bank account because of the notice right uh, so just after the verdict the same day evening we got the access to our bank accounts where we could yeah. start accepting money from from our customers and maybe uh, we were kind of back to business so yeah, it was like winning in a movie i think so in fact yeah. uh, It, it, it is so much like a movie that it was a three judge bench and in the verdict at the end he don't say verdict he says climax in the judgment so It's climax the, in the film the climax of the yeah story arc yeah <laughs> so the judge himself have felt like it's a movie you know it's it's a nail baiting finish so that is a terms that the judge has used uh, uh, to describe how things went in the in the court and how it did eventually gave out this verdict so yeah that is like very historical win for sure um, yeah <laughs> uh, for sure you know interesting to have been right at the center of it also you know it had to be kind of you know gut wrenching to see it take longer and longer yeah where did the kind of so march 2020 mm-hmm. can you frame like the difference in the business the business at that point from 2018 you know you have all these customers who are signed up but have been inactive for a year 
you have other company, other you know exchanges or peer-to-peer type exchanges that have popped up to kind of use that loophole and are gaining maybe some of those customers. So what what are you thinking in March? You get your banking relationship back and you're thinking, all right, full steam ahead now, or you're assessing the damage and figuring out how to move forward. What's your mindset then? I mean, we have to do everything at once, so so, so more or less. So we figured out that there is a small share that um, of customer share that we had that was that had gone out uh, because they they were fine to do peer to peer even though we did not support it ourselves, right? So, but however, we, we continue to have the access to the the, the, the complete uh, you know customer uh, database anyway. So mm-hmm. we kind of informed them. I mean, if, if I have to compare it with 2017 and 18, I don't think any exchange. Forget about Indian exchanges. So any exchanges is really back there yet, right? So 2017-18 and I mean, later part of 2017 and earlier part of 2018 was like the best time for the entire crypto industry. In fact, right. so if I have to compare that, we definitely are not there yet. But on the other side, when we see new customers flowing in every day, so about 300 to 500 of, of them, so, so, so every day signs up. And uh, we have the operations completely un, under control and, and, and in place. And we, we continue to work with our uh, mission and vision of bringing Bitcoin to the billion, that is our uh, our mission and making money simple is our vision. So it, it, it continues to drive us, I think. So, but if you have to talk about numbers, we probably will be there at, at, at least 2017 levels, uh, maybe in about like six months to nine months, it looks like. So given that we have a new round of funding, we'll be able to be more aggressive now. So that new round of funding has taken, you know, has taken shape over the last six, seven months or so. And uh, really an all-star crew. You got Draper involved, not just as an LP in a fund that's you know leading around in 2016, but as a major part of this round, XBTO, who's a little bit more under the radar, but has made some you know big investments in the space, including Darabit, you know, some, some, so some big players there. Also in kind of the context of you've had other big players making investments into exchanges in India over the past you know eight months as well, from BitMEX's parent venture firm to you know Coinbase Ventures. You know, you have other exchanges that are looking to make their kind of play in India, finance, acquiring WazirX. How are you thinking about like raising money versus partnering with an exchange that's trying to get access to the market? I'm sure you, you know, have had discussions with you know some of the major exchanges around the world who are looking to break into India. Kind of why go the route of raising a fresh round of venture funding, staying independent is the right word, but not tied to another you know international exchange. Talk about kind of the, how you're thinking about the funds and kind of the current competitive landscape in India with everyone wanting access to the market, you being one of the legacy companies that's had success there, but a lot of lot more competition coming in. Just kind of talk us through your thinking about yeah. this. So, so I, I think it is definitely not either or. So either we want to do funding or uh, partnership with the international elections and such. So I think it's more about doing everything. So, mm-hmm. so, so just to stay relevant, right? So we will need uh, the, the exchanges who could help us with liquidity and really sometimes your market making. And maybe technology and such. On the other side, you will need money to uh, to, to make sure you are you are surviving. You have the best talents in house, and uh, you are able to have enough working capital to to, to keep the, the 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 entire machine running very even as much smoothly as possible. So it is uh, it's about doing you know everything at at, at kind of same time. So like I said, on one side uh, we got the verdict, and on the other side we almost had nothing. So we just like mm-hmm. in a very small employee base. So that is pretty much the end of it. We were just like 13 of us as compared to 120 uh, in our peak time. Yeah. Right? So then now we had to hire and now again, we are, we are back to about 35 of us and we just have all the required uh, ingredients 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's about, I mean, it could be, say, other exchanges who want to enter India. So we, we have we have been talking to like different different uh, exchanges as well, how we could partner or, or it could be about their own investment into the into the into, into the country and such. So I think when it is right time, uh, it it'll, it'll happen, I guess. But till then, for more responsibility is is about keep on building whatever we're building and and keep it ready either for the wall or for, or for the layer. Yeah, makes sense. And is this round filled now completely? No, it's it's like say sixty percent filled, maybe sixty five percent filled. Or so so we have some some more gap that we could still take other investors. Yeah. Yeah, so some good optionality there, which is good, which is nice to have sometimes. You know, retail base in India. You talked about kind of you know Bitcoin being this exotic thing back in 2015. You know, maybe keep the interface simple and keep the trading aspect more simple. Here, sitting in 2020, how are you kind of thinking about the sophistication of like you know Indian retail traders? You know, are there institutions that are kind of a target customer segment for you? That customer base and kind of your product roadmap. I know you've you know y'all have had a thousand things going on so far, but as you look to, you know, put this money to work, how are you thinking about kind of that customer base growing and product to roadmap, you know, over the next two years or so? Yeah, I, I think for uh, for the bro- both brokerage business, like earlier Coinbase model, and on the other side, exchange business, like the Coinbase Pro model, right? So both of them have very, very logical progression. So the exchange, uh, the on one side, the, the normal uh, say brokerage will be more looking at the lending platform and then interest earning uh, and then it goes in that direction. On the other side, if you see the exchange, it will be looking at margin trading and then it will have derivatives like futures and options and uh, CFPs. So, so it will take, you know, other kind of progression. So, so we as as an exchange have to more or less uh, go in the in the, in the very similar path. I mean, we may be able to innovate a few things to make things the things better or uh, maybe some, some new things altogether. But at the end, the, the backbone continues to be you know very visible in, in front of us. So this is the kind of steps we'll have to take. But we have to also recognize that we almost lost like two years in between. So the entire country is more or less two years younger in crypto compared to the rest of the world. So which which really means we will need a lot of support also from international players to make sure that you know we are able to catch up. The market opportunity is not lost. Everything is kept uh, abreast to, 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 to keep swimming forward, I think. So that, that's pretty much how, uh, how, I, how I see this. And India, I mean, if you see the population of the, of the country, like it's like 17% of the world in the, in the country, which is of the size, uh, say, about one third of the United States. So whatever resources exist in the United States, it is shared by about 15 people in India. So, so, so uh, given that kind of population, I think there cannot be a better opportunity for, for us to bring some kind of change or revolution in, in this industry, in this country. And that has also been one of the reasons uh, we, we didn't really you know, look for uh, other kind. I mean, we explored some to, to some extent when we didn't have the proper business because of banking restrictions. But we were not, we were never keen to do anything uh, in other countries than India itself. I mean, if we, we being Indian, if we can't crack India, we probably are doing wrong by, you know, just looking at other options, options so I think. That makes sense. And a uh, huge market, you touched on some, some of the numbers there. You know, one of the reasons that you've had outside capital kind of scrambling to get in into the right plays as kind of the regulatory situation has, has cleared up. And any other, you know, you touched on it there, any other kind of thoughts more broadly on where you see growth in Bitcoin in, in India over the next two years? You know, there's some massive, there are massive numbers. You know, we're entering kind of another bull run here. It's going to be fascinating to watch as, you know, Two, two year a two year gap into another bull run it's gonna be kind of fascinating to watch. What what it's do you like, kind of see numbers wise happening? 
Yeah, it, it's 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 too much of a roller coaster. Uh, since at least like four years already, and I think uh, because of various other reasons, the roller coaster will continue. It will never be a very smooth road going ahead. I mean, at 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 what level the roller coaster happens, that is a kind of you know question. Whether if if everything regulatory just like keeps the way it is, and if the roller coaster happens at uh, the bull market, and we have much more customers, and then we will that's a different kind of challenge. But if it happens at the regulatory level, then it's a little. A different level of challenge altogether, right? So, so, so that should be seen. I've been given. See, it, uh, India is one of the really good technology hubs. If, if, if you see, like generally, right? So, losing out on uh, on this kind of market, including where okay, you don't have, uh, you're losing the employment opportunities, you're losing the investment opportunities, uh, you're losing technology innovation opportunities. So that is like uh, very costly for for a country like India. Mm-hmm. So it's, is what it is my opinion about and at the end of the day everyone will find their alternatives uh, whether it could be like going to some other countries or figuring out how to do thing in india itself which which are similar but still with, with, without like violating uh, the, the new laws that will ever come etc so so i think the given the way it is the the, the, the future looks uh, very bright to me and uh, it's definitely a huge catch up that we will have to do and we will obviously need uh, support from it could be international players, it could be regulators, everyone, and hope that this time we will be able to just grow without uh, being disturbed. Yeah. And so I guess in the past, the things that have disturbed the market have been kind of some of these organizations that maybe op- operate with a little bit of independence from kind of the operations of government. We talk about the Reserve Bank of India and then the Supreme Court stepping in and making their ruling. How, what, what's kind of the, and I'm sure you've spent a lot of time talking to people in government, not just in the central bank. What's kind of the sentiment from the you know people actually operating the government, and uh, you know is there anyone who is talking about this publicly? Are you in touch with you know people frequently on kind of why this needs to be an industry that is you know let let, let is let fear, is let to flourish in uh, India? Yeah, yeah, I think see if you see the the market share of India when it comes to the crypto industry, uh, we definitely don't have our share. So we may have like one by hundredth of it or something like that. So, which is like very negligible. So, and on the other side, uh, as you know, the, the the Supreme Court gave the uh, verdict, and then everyone went to lockdown. And even today, people are not really vocal about a lot of things. So, so, so everything is happening just the concise of their home or uh, or in their offices, etc. So, uh, we have met a, a quite a few of the members of Parliament to talk about to, to talk about this this particular thing needs some mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, Say recommendations or categorization uh, for India, but uh, it is not moving. I mean, nothing is moving that fast where uh, someone could like recommend it and, and, and bring it to the table or uh, table yet. I think so, but but they become like one of the you know key decision makers, the member of parliament. I mean, members of parliament. Uh, so so who would uh, obviously need to make up their mind that okay, we have to bring some kind of uh, clarity to this particular industry, and for that to happen as well, the industry should grow. Uh, where it should be somewhat considerable uh, within India for, for them to even make a note of it. So, so the next step is to keep growing. So, in whatever way we see, I think that's the only logical way, and you know, it, it can finally find some kind of salvation. Yeah, you know, keep growing. You you got this customer base for the exchange side, the the you know, broker side, the spot side. Any other of the products that you mentioned earlier that you see kind of potential for in India? You know the the payments and uh, you know merchant services. You had some of the DCAing with uh, daily purchases. You had uh, the 
um, contractor use case where people were accepting Bitcoin and you know uh, converting it overnight. Any other interesting interesting use cases that you're seeing for Bitcoin now outside of the exchange side? Yeah, so the new ones that we have introduced uh, now is uh, people can use their Bitcoin to take loan, right? So it's very similar to Genesis trading, like how you know Paris mm-hmm. in in US. So there'll be the, the Bitcoin will be collateralized, and uh, they'll be able to take some loan and withdraw it to the bank account and use it uh, eventually, and then pay uh, pay it back with interest to get the collateral. So, so, so that is something that that I strongly feel that it has a bright future, but uh, it will take its time for 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 that kind of new stream itself to grow, right? So, on the other side, uh, we also offer uh, some kind of returns. Whoever want to keep their USDT as as fixed deposits with us, right? Mm-hmm. So then on our side, we manage uh, about the loans and on the other side, fixed deposits. So for the only, for, I mean, we can only do this for crypto, not for fiat, uh, which would need licenses and such. So these, these are two two products which uh, I think uh, have a, a very strong need for in the country. But uh, making sure the information is reaching all people that uh, an option op- opportunity like this exists will, will continue to be a small challenge, given like lockdown and and whatnot. And, and, and that is like still not back to normal because I mean even in the lockdown, if you see, uh, we started like two to three months late than. Uh, I mean, I, I think we got affected two months late uh, than the rest of the world, I mean, a lot of other countries. So it eventually, I think uh, it could be by the end of year where uh, things will be uh, somewhat, I mean, everyone will be a little bit vocal about what they're trying to do and what the next steps and such. And uh, that's also the time when we need to introduce uh, these products and our legs are reintroduced, uh, these products to public that something like this exists and people can take advantage of it and such. So I mean, on the exchange side, uh, the, we'll be looking at introducing uh, the margin trading in the future, but yeah, that's like the logical progression. Yeah, gotcha. Any other kind of companies doing interesting stuff in India that you know maybe don't have uh, the profile because of fundraising so far? Any, anything else you're seeing that's interesting in India outside of uh, Unicoin? Uh, see, uh, I, I think the number of uh, people who are working on blockchain itself in MNCs, like there are like, really, really a lot of people, but most of them are stopping at POCs. But on the other side, there has been some uh, some startups uh, which are doing really good uh, in whatever they're doing, like Matic, so who are trying to build uh, the, the layer two solution on top of uh, Ethereum and such. And there are a few others, you know, a few other newcomers as well uh, who are trying to do. And some of the exchanges are again trying to raise uh, uh, some funds by selling the tokens, uh, utility tokens and such. So we, we don't really want to go that road yet, I think. So, but on the other side, we are also looking that uh, probably uh, there could be a, a really, uh, I mean, good demand in a couple of years for decentralized finances, and also the part of partly DEX and also the decentralized uh, finances. So, which we could be looking at a little bit uh, more deeply as well. Uh, but but till now, uh, we haven't really seen the the real need. Uh, for it within uh, the Indian ecosystem because yeah, kind of the lagging uh, to, to to really be able to catch up with the rest of the world. Uh, maybe in about six months or one year, it becomes more evident about uh, the market opportunity uh, that, that, that would eventually exist for these two as well. So I mean, it, it's, it's about going with the flow and keep growing. I think that that, that, uh, that that's how this this, this looks like. Uh, sounds easy. Enough. Sounds easy enough. <laughs> they all have some batter, battle scars to prove that it doesn't always. Uh, outside factors can can come in. It's good that you know. It seems like that runway is now open, and uh, excited to see how y'all grow and what happens there. So, good stuff. Our our final uh, question is a fun one. It's a recommendation. So it can be your hometown, which you mentioned being a little bit off the beaten path. 
can be Delhi, Bangalore. So a recommendation for someone who may be there in the future to see, to do, to eat, to watch, just a recommendation. I think they should not, no one should invest more money than they are willing to lose on one side. But on the other side, uh, people should invest some time to learn uh, about the cryptocurrencies. So if, uh, let's say, I mean, there was one survey that we did where we were calling our customers to say, okay, I mean, you bought Bitcoin, do you know what it is? So that was, that was our question. But a lot of, uh, like 90% of the people could not really tell uh, what Bitcoin is. And then they just see it as an investment opportunity. And, and I think the, the education also really matters. People should know what they're buying. Right, and only then they'll be able to know its risks and such. So, uh, and then we have a portal called Unoversity.com, U-N-O-E-R-S-I-T-Y. Uh, so, where we offer courses for Bitcoin, blockchain, Ethereum, the different mm-hmm. jargons and such. People could just enroll free, uh, free for everyone. So, so I think uh, we are nowadays promoting that as well. Like at least you go there and learn what what is all about it. It is not just like. Uh, uh, thin air things, right? So if it has its, its value and its value is only learned if you know what it is. Um, else it is like nothing. It is just a number on your mobile phone. Um, so yeah, th- th- this is what uh, I would recommend. People should keep on getting more and more educated. And if you see like a country like uh, US, I, mean, I was there in US for a few times uh, since last two years, right? Last two, three years. So, so whenever I go, uh, whenever I go there, and even when I go to, uh, say, travel in a cab, right? So one of the questions I normally if I pick up a conversation, I ask him, do you know what is Bitcoin? Uh, to my surprise, at least more than half of the, the cab drivers there know what is Bitcoin. And I'm talking about in the year 2016 and 17 mm-hmm. um, itself. So, but when I try to do that uh, uh, here, it's close to zero. So mm-hmm. actually, almost one knows, even though media has tried cover exposure from common man, it also has to, like, it's a trust-based thing as well, right? So uh, I, I wouldn't, I mean, if I'm a common man, I just don't jump into this uh, unless someone whom I trust tells me that it is good. So until that happens, uh, which means it's, it's like network effect on one side and education on one side. So, so that really needs to happen uh, so that our, I mean, and, and, and until that happens and until this, this pie size of India uh, really goes big. It's also difficult for for uh, the regulators to take some kind of view. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it is so small today that uh, I mean they are seeing a threat than the opportunity, right? So only when the market has become big and the threat remains whatever it is, then they see that the opportunity is bigger, right? So the opportunity really that pie has to grow. I think so that eventually you know we we we, we keep working in the direction and, and let's see how far we go. There you go. Learn university, and we're we're gonna wait to see that uh, knowledge gap uh, in terms of uh, you know market share in India. It's gonna be exciting to watch. Sure. Well, thanks for your time. Yeah. Thank you. Nice talking to you today. Good to talk to you. I hope to catch up uh, as we see the market there grow exponentially over the next full market. Yeah. Good luck. quick reminder, all of the content in this episode is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments.